clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure. Where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Ooh, the sun is out, Doc, and I'm feeling frisky. It's feeling good out there. Are you happy? <laughs> Are you, get, got, you got good weather where you're at? It's, I, I mean, I, I didn't write a song about it like you did, but it, I think it's going to be a nice day. Doc, that's a level of my talent. You deal with it all the time. You know that I am an on-the-spot kind of song maker-upper. I can do yeah, it right deal. now with you. The doc is rubbing her eye in annoyance with me. And we are back, folks, after vacation. We all had a wonderful holiday, I hope. Salute to the troops. I know I had sex for America. How about you, Doc? I'm not answering that question. Okay. <laughs> but I did it for the troops. I just want you all to know that it was all for you. Anyway, the point is that uh, we had a great time, but we were away. We're back on track. We're here to have a little bit more sex conversation before we lead up to the 4th of July, another time where you all should be having sex for America. It's like my favorite thing to say every year. I look forward to this every year where I get to say, have sex for America. I look, you know, I'm more on the end of like, have sex for you. But I yeah, appreciate I mean, Of course. But you know, I mean, if you could do it for the troops, why not do it for the troops? You know? It's a little dedication. Sure. Is there anything wrong with a little dedication? I, I mean... I dedicate this orgasm to, you know... The, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, you know? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, I don't... See, you don't disagree. And I think so. This I is a good start for I our day. I don't know that I do agree, and I don't know that I don't agree. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, a couple of announcements, folks. Don't forget to check out the latest episode of Sex Therapist Shoot the Shit. They talk a lot of stuff. They talk a lot of shit in this episode. It's really great. Don't forget to check it out. Who was our guest on that latest episode? It was Calvin Howard, the yes, lovely. Yes, it was. Marriage and family therapist that does sex therapy work. He's great. I think he might be coming on this podcast <gasps> in a bit. Yeah. Oh, in a bit? Are you? Is this just? A, I'm just. This is not a joke, everybody. She doesn't really tell me these things. So, like, I'm being told here in the moment <laughs> that we're getting Actually, this one I told you many weeks ago, but, you, you know, no, I, need to, no. I need to go ahead and test Don't him lie and... to the people, okay? You told me that maybe at some point he would, maybe plans. possibly, and that today you're like, oh, he's definitely coming on. Like, what? He's definitely coming on. We literally it was just inferred. recorded this. It we was inferred. This. We could go back and listen to it. I did not say definitely. I said, I, you know... I now uh, what I should say is he has loosely agreed to maybe sometime come on. <laughs> so what Fair I need enough. to do Fair is text enough. him and see if he is still willing to do so. Okay. Fair enough, Doc. 
A uh, couple of announcements about announcements as well. Don't forget to check out the Annie book. It's out there. Listen to the audio version. It is excellent, if I do say so myself. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a new book coming out soon. Um, and because I'm sure the doc has read the book that I sent to her. Right, doc? You read that book that I sent? Um, I was doing it's going stuff. very well today doc it's going very very well anyway the point is maybe i feel one like day... you're setting me up to disappoint you <laughs> with this question <laughs> can't be helped don't forget folks if you like the university of pleasure please like share and subscribe and uh, don't forget to send us a message we love to hear from our millions of fans all over the world and if you have questions for the doc or your old pal jeremiah james you could call us on our number and what's that number doc 917-382-0653. Oh, man, I thought I had you on that. I was like, there's no way she'll know. <laughs> you did. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah. Well, let's get this ball rolling oh, today. Can I folks. also say, oh. if it's easier, if you rather wouldn't email us or call us, you can also direct message us on Instagram with your questions. Good call. Head or to Instagram and course. send us a DM. That's what the kids are saying nowadays. Go ahead and send us a DM. I think the kids are saying even new stuff. Like we're we're too old. The DM is old now. That's true. But we don't want to age ourselves for all of our young fans out there that listen religiously. Right, Doc? Every movie reference that you make is from the 80s, How early 90s, <laughs> early 90s tops, tops. <laughs> Like, I'm pretty sure that you have already aged yourself in very specific. You don't know me. You don't ways. know me. Okay. Today's topic is uh, one of my personal top three favorites. It is, uh, I'm just asking for a friend. Okay. So, we all know how this game goes. Well, we only did it once, I think. It's just a segment called Asking for a Friend, in, right? Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Can I say it's one of my favorites? What? I guess you can. I mean, it's a new favorite, but yeah, sure, sure. Okay, fine. It's a new favorite. It is a new favorite, and we call Asking for a Friend. Okay, Doc, so this is one I get from friends who know that I am almost an expert in the world of sex and sexuality now because of our podcast, Okay. <laughs> So I'm just asking for a friend. I get this a lot. When a woman ejaculates with like a squirting per se, is it pee? They no. believe that it's pee. And I keep saying it's not pee. So when a woman ejaculates, I'm asking for a friend. Is it pee? Um, it's a good question. Of course it is. It's a good question. It's a question, frankly, that people like debate about like really heavily. <laughs> right, right. Um, and they try to, my understanding and keep in mind, people argue about it is that there is some urine in it, but it's like highly diluted. Okay. Right? So there are other sort of like, um, secretions, enzymes in it. So it's not the same as like when you go to the bathroom and you urinate, right? That's like a much higher concentration of urine, but that there is urine in it. It's just not like it's a, it's a more diluted liquid. Okay. So let's talk about stigma around this because I have spoken, you know, again, I'm asking for a friend 
that there's a lot of shame or or embarrassment built around female ejaculation. So I just wanted to get your opinion again, asking for a friend. What are your thoughts on that, Doc? The stigma yeah. around it? Yeah, I mean, it's super stigmatized. I mean, I think it's it makes me sad that <laughs> it's yeah. so stigmatized, usually for a couple of reasons. One, um, a lot of people find it really arousing, right? Like, like it's one of like more popular themes in pornography. Sure. You know, like I mean, so, I say sure, but I mean, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. You know, I would perhaps in your travels. Per, yeah, maybe I've heard. Perhaps I've heard it whispered travels. on the wind. You yeah. Know. Perhaps in your travels online, you have come upon the fact that female, like squirt, quote unquote, squirting, right? Female ejaculation is like a really popular theme of pornography. Why does that matter? Well, it tells us something. If something is a really popular theme of something, it tells us that clearly there's something erotic and arousing about that to a number of people. Otherwise, you wouldn't find videos on it in excess being like, hey, someone's squirting, come and come and look, right? And mm-hmm. usually there's a lot of those, like there's a lot of those videos and and a lot of people, like partners of people who squirt will report finding that very arousing and very erotic. But it is also very real that people feel a lot of like specific shame, like the person who is, right? Like specific shame. And don't get me wrong, I've worked with some folks who like have female, like who ejaculate, right? And their partner is confused about whether like like what's going on or like is it pee or is it not pee, and then they're also maybe somewhat shaming about it as well or uncomfortable with it. So like interestingly, I've I've had a number of sort of scenarios in which someone's partner is like super into it, and it's the person like who's doing the squirting that's feeling like really shameful, or the person who was doing the squirting didn't feel so shameful, but then they ended up with a partner that kind of contributed to them feeling more Ooh, ashamed about it. Yeah, because the partner... yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that the, the struggle, right? Like that question of like, is it P is it not like my answer? Like, like I said, it's like a hotly debated topic, but, but my sort of thought about it is like, who, who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> like who cares? Right. Like quote of the day for it, the doc, it, who fucking cares? Right. Like, if it, my point around that is, is like, if it is, does that, and, and someone, let's say someone has a partner and they're all finding it enjoyable and erotic and it's feeling good. And then I don't know, they, they do like, you know, there's different studies done and some studies are like, yeah, it looks like urine in certain ways, right. Or whatever. And if it's like, well, if it was just water from the body, then that, then that's a different sexual experience than if it's pee. Who cares? Like mm. what, how, why does that matter in terms of like whether it's sexually enjoyable or not, or whether someone should be ashamed right. of it right. or not? Yeah. Like to me, it's like, does the chemical composition of what's coming out of the body really make a big difference in whether or not this is something that's sexually enjoyable? And also as an aside, a lot of people, like many people who squirt, like that is just how they orgasm. They don't have, some people can control it or, you know, to certain degrees, but that's actually atypical. You know, most people, that's just an involuntary reaction. So what, you know, it's not like they're choosing to do something. And so that's just more of a, of a kind of, I guess, when you ask about like when people are always like, is it pee or not? And I'm like, 
Well, I don't know because I'm not a chemist in the lab, you know, testing it, right? Yeah. Or a biologist looking at it, but also who gives a shit? Like, are you having a nice time? Is it enjoyable for you? I think the bigger issues when we think about like issues of squirting, like things that I help people with are a, to your point, reducing shame, right? Helping people to reduce shame about it and sort of also start being like, who cares what it is coming out of my body? We have towels, right? Or we can set things up in a way that, you know, if fluid is coming out of my body and it's getting on stuff, then we can, you know, we can adapt around that and we can make that an experience that feels better for people. And then the other thing is just like helping people like give themselves permission to enjoy it. Because a lot of times partners are finding it erotic arousing. And sometimes when they're shaming their partner about it, it's because they feel ashamed for enjoying it. Oh, okay. Not always, but sometimes. Um, All right. So there's a follow-up question for this. Again, asking for a friend. Follow-up question. If you have a partner who squirts when they orgasm and then... You've heard, well, you let me rephrase it. So you've had a partner who has said that they squirt when they orgasm, but for whatever reason, when they orgasm with you, they don't squirt. Does that somehow mean that you are not pleasing them properly? Because this was a question that was asked for me. Again, I'm asking for a friend. They had a partner, their partner currently, had talked very openly about squirting with the last person that they were with. And now that they're together, she doesn't. Yeah. So is that, does that mean, again, asking for a friend, does that mean that somehow he is not properly pleasing his partner because she doesn't squirt with him? So my, my immediate answer would be, of course not. Right? Like, of, of course it doesn't. I mean, I, you know, I can't speak for that person. Only that person could go, yeah, that means that, you know, you don't please me as much. Right. And I, but globally, generally speaking, it's certainly, I wouldn't hear that and go, oh, that's what that means. Right. What I would think about is the idea. And I think people forget this a lot is that people can orgasm in many different ways. And I'm not just talking about like from different positions. (laughs) I mean, literally from different types of stimulation and in different ways. Like, so for instance, with someone with a vulva and a vagina, right? Like someone might have a clitoral orgasm or someone might have a vaginal orgasm, but maybe that vaginal orgasm is coming from uh, like more G-spot stimulation, right? Or it's coming from clitoral and vaginal stimulation, or maybe the G-spot stimulation is more pressured, right? There's there's more G-spot stimulation or there's more pressure and that builds up more of that, that fluid that's secreted, right? Just because of whatever positioning or however somebody was stimulating somebody else. Like that doesn't mean that the orgasm is less good. It just means that it's different. Okay. And I think, I think a lot of times when people experience or see different types of orgasm, they assume that it's like hierarchical in some kind of way that like one type of orgasm is better than another type of orgasm. Now, obviously that's subjective, right? Like somebody might personally experience and say like, oh, I like this type of orgasm better. But then most people, a lot of people would be like, 
I like the orgasm that's this way. And I like the orgasm that's, I just like the orgasms, right? right like right. a lot of people and some, you know, I can't speak for that person. That person might prefer an orgasm with the sensation of squirting. That might be real, but it doesn't mean that that person isn't also very much enjoying the other way, or frankly, doesn't prefer that more, right? However, this person's orgasming with your friend that you're describing, right? Like it, the idea that like orgasms must, must all look the same and be the same to be good, I think is not, A, I, I don't think that that's a, a true idea, generally speaking. And B, our orgasms and how we orgasm change as we age over time. So like if a lot of people think back, right? Like if, if you, Jeremiah, if you think back to your first orgasm, did it feel different? <laughs> it was only, I'm just, you know, not hard to find. I mean, that memory is so close because it wasn't very long ago because I'm so young. Oh, was that? Yeah, no. Okay. So continue. Oddly, that response was disturbing in a number of ways. Okay. <laughs> so like, um, like if you think back to the first time you orgasmed and, and you compare it to like different orgasms you've had as an adult, I'm guessing that there are differences. Oh, uh, immensely different. Right. And Immensely I, different. Right. So as we age and we just start to intuitively, our bot, like we start to intuitively learn different ways to orgasm. Many of us, I mean, some people are still learning, which is, you know, also real, right? A lot of us learn how to orgasm at different states in our lives. Side note is not an expectation just to say that you must know how to orgasm during adolescence. And if you don't, then you'll never learn how to orgasm. Just want to say that. Or if you can't orgasm, that there's anything wrong with you also want to say that good call um uh but like as people learn over time how to orgasm sometimes what they do also learn is like oh i can orgasm in this way and i can orgasm in that way and this type of orgasm feels a little different like so if we take somebody that's you know got a penis and a prostate a prostate orgasm might feel very different than an orgasm that comes from penile stimulation do you know okay. what I mean? Yep. Like yep. Yep. these, like there's all sorts of different ways, regardless of the body that you have or the genitals that you have, that people can orgasm. And some people can orgasm in a lot of different ways. And sometimes people really enjoy that. They enjoy the capacity to be able to, or be able to orgasm in different ways because, you know, variety is the spice of life. And there you <laughs> it's go. It's nice. So I, I guess that's like the long answer of like, I would not assume that that means somebody's not pleasing someone as well. I think it's just more of an indication of probably a number of variables. One is which it's a different partner, maybe engaging in a slightly different type of stimulation. But I wouldn't assume it that that doesn't mean that the orgasms are as good. In certain ways, they could be better. Okay. Or they're just different. There we go. I agree wholeheartedly. I think this is a good place for us to take a break, Doc. And when we come back, I'm going to throw you a curveball. You don't even know what I'm going to do. And when we come back, can I also just give a quick tip on people that do squirt some, some ways to make sex a little easier if cleanup's one of their concerns? Well, why don't we do that right now? Oh, go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, just because this is a like one of the bigger barriers sometimes that people have that are are like that squirt or their partners is they sometimes might be like, oh, sex feels like a lot of work because there's a lot of cleanup afterwards. Not always, by the way, like people can like some people squirt very little fluid and some people will squirt a lot more fluid. Side note, just not all of that is equal, but there, um, 
this is just like a super quick thing. There's lots of other things that people can, and some people have like really good routines where they're like, oh, we just throw this towel down or we do this thing. But sometimes that can be a barrier because people are like, that can contribute to shame because people are like, we have to throw towels down before we have sex. And that makes me feel like there's something wrong with me, right? Or that doesn't feel very sexy or like that idea of like, I'm somebody that needs to be cleaned up after just doesn't feel very good. Okay. So, and we should have, we should have contacted, I've probably sold a, a million of not a million, but hundreds of these. So I should have probably, uh, but the liberator has a throw blanket. Do you know the liberator? Yeah, you? of course. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to tell our listeners what the, li- like the liberator is famous, most famous for? Well, what it's most famous for? I just know what it is. Like the li- yeah. What do you? What is it? Isn't it that special like pillow that can give you a better angle? Yeah. So the Liberator's a brand, and that's kind of their most famous product, which is like that wedge. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like a, a wedge. wedge. It's basically like a pillow wedge, so you can like you, you know you can contort in different angles, get different ways of. Uh, sexual positions and stuff like that yeah exactly like to make things more comfortable side note great product for um for uh like mobility if someone's having mobility issues as well or like maybe let's say you got bad knees but you really like uh doggy style right gives you something to lean on you know there's all sorts of like there's all sorts of ways to like use that however the liberator also has a product called the fascinator throw and it is a um, uh, like moisture wicking um, like uh, throw blanket and it has an inner moisture barrier. And this is great because it's like this really plush, nice blanket that's specially lined inside. And now this side note, not everyone has the resources to buy expensive blankets and that's very real. And you know, there are other sort of options out there as well that you can look at that are maybe a little bit more affordable. They're similar things this is just one i'm familiar with and you can always usually find coupons on their website but oh you say coupons 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 right um on their website however it's a very nice blanket and so one of the things and this is just like kind of a nerdy psychology thing right it's gonna feel very different rather than having to put down like you know depending on the person like several like old beach towels versus like this really <laughs> ne- right versus like a nice velvety blanket that just feels normal to be on the bed right yeah blankets feel like they should be on a bed and so it's less distracting for people and it's a very nice thing when literally you're done and if someone squirts you can just pick up the whole blanket throw it in the wash yeah hey, i like that right And so it really can help with that barrier of this idea of like cleanup, because as an aside, sometimes when people squirt, it's like, oh, that's like a whole thing. And let's say, you know, we've talked a lot about like, maybe like when life is busy and people are maybe not having as high a desire. Yeah. Right. And so like any little barrier sometimes makes it hard to want to approach sex. And so if someone, for whatever reason, right, if cleanup is something that feels like a big issue, there are products like this that are out there that can also help things just run a little smoother. And it seems like such a simple, simple, silly thing, but can make a ton of difference for people because it removes that barrier. And also it feels, it feels more sensual. It feels more sexy. It doesn't feel like, you know, okay, we have to do this like clean up because I'm dirty or, or there's something wrong with me in some kind of way. 
Okay. Just makes it feel a little bit more, uh, more, more of like a smooth process. Yeah. Not so much heavy lifting in the cleanup. Yeah. Department. Because, you know, I like simple things, right? Like there's all sorts oh, of. Oh, listen, doc, deep... you're speaking to like the low <laughs> yeah. effort, high reward king. Okay? Yeah. I'm all for like deep diving and deep work, but it's like, oh, the towels or like the things that we got to put down that make me feel, you know, if you can just, if you have the resource and you can just buy a really nice blanket and that helps. That's a real quick fix, and it's rare that we find those. That's right. And sometimes it's not always that simple, but they sometimes really help for some okay. folks. All right. Well, thank you, Doc, for all of that information. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, throw in the Doc a new curveball. Whole new segment. Doesn't even know it's coming. Get ready, everybody. We'll be right back. And we're back, as promised. New segment, thrown at the dock. I didn't even tell her on the break, okay? So I came up with this new segment all by myself, okay? Oh, God. <laughs> because I was scrolling through the old interweb, and I kept seeing things pop up, because obviously the internet knows me, right? Knows that I'm a very famous podcaster who is almost an expert on sex and relationships. Knows you or is watching you and watching all of your behaviors. Yeah, watching all my behaviors, maybe. Maybe that's it too. But anyway, the point is that I get a lot of things popping up in my feed talking about sex. And so I thought we would do just a quick little go-round of social media sex advice. And see what the doc thinks of this social media sex advice. Are you ready, doc? Sure. I have no idea what this is, but yes, fine. This one good. comes from BuzzFeed. Okay. Oh, okay. And uh, it says, couples are sharing the ways they get around having different sex drives. And anyone struggling with this should take notes. Now... I would like to make this very clear. These are just everyday people giving their advice, much like your old pal Jeremiah James who likes to talk about sex. But I would like oh, to get like the doc. Oh, like people wrote in. Yes, they're like giving. The... Yes, so they're going to, we're just, I'm going to read a little bit here, doc, and then I want to get a little feedback from you. Again, this is our new segment right here for the doc in the moment. Hot topic, social media sex advice. Here we go. I have a question. Are you going to write the title of this segment down? Because you do tend to have a habit of never remembering the titles of any of our recordings. Oh, I only yes. remember the titles that I like to remember. Okay, that's, uh, that's just yeah. how my brain works. So I'll remember this title because I came up with a title. Like, thumbs up, thumbs down is what that will always be because that should be the title. I was right about that in the beginning. I don't even want to get into this debate right now. Okay, we only, we're limited time here. Let's not waste our millions of fans' time. All right? We're here for sex advice. Social media sex advice, that's the topic. I generally have a much higher sex drive than my husband because by the time he gets back from work, he's just too tired for it. We ended up settling on me waiting until the weekend to have sex, but he'd put extra effort in on those days when he wasn't as tired, and it works for us. What do you think, Doc? I mean, I think that that's an adaptive way to do it, right? Like, it really, like, that's the thing. Like, um, and this is Mary, maybe where I struggle, like, sort of sometimes with the way that sex advice is sometimes given and and perceived as, like, if that works for that couple and both people are, like, mutually feeling good about that solution, then that's a great solution. The best solution is the negotiation that both people are, like, 
yeah, I can get on board with that. Like one person's going, Hey, I don't, I don't feel like I'm being uh, not given what I need in some kind of way, or at least like this really feels like it meets my need to the degrees that I meet. I need. And the other person is going, yeah, same. same. All right. Good. I don't know. This is going well so far. See, she doubted me. I could see it in her eyes when I was starting the segment. Yeah. There was doubt. But what, but where, what, I guess what I would, would say about that is that works for that couple, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes what happens is when people give advice, they're like, well, this is what we do, so you should do that. And then someone else might try that, and it might be a terrible fit for another couple because someone feels real salty about waiting until the weekend. Or the person is like, I don't want to work extra on the weekend or have an obligation that the weekend is some time I need to be sexual with you. That feels like pressure. That's really my point. But it's very case dependent. Okay, well, we have other couples here that are going to weigh in on how what works for them. All right, okay. so here we go. Every Tuesday and Saturday is happy day, usually in the evening after the kids have gone to bed. It might appear boring. But it is surprisingly calming. There are no surprises, but there is also no nagging resentment or expectations. I love scheduled sex. I think it's always a great idea. Yeah, think so? Not always. That's a lie. I think it can be a great idea when both people are like willing to do so. People are often, we've talked about this in the podcast before, people are often really hesitant to do like scheduled sex because they feel like somehow that interrupts spontaneity. And people like, for whatever reason, culturally, we really value spontaneous sex. We like put it at a higher value than we do um, sex sex as planned, right? Or sort of more intentional in certain ways, Um, which I think is also like just propelled by movies and media right like when you watch a film you're not watching usually the two main characters go okay tuesday do you have time on tuesday no wednesday right like they're not that'd be a boring ass film doc let's be <laughs> yeah, honest they're not doing that but but what it also does is messages to people that like good sex is only sex you have like when you're like in a heated argument and then all of a sudden you you know you start kissing in an alleyway and then you know you can barely make it in the door and you're ripping each other's clothes off and don't get me wrong like if you can have that type of sexual experience, like have it, great. But also, those are usually more the exception in a person's like in a long-term relationship than the rule. Maybe not for all couples, but some people can keep pulling that off. But when, especially when people live really busy lives, you know, being able to sometimes just show up at the same place at the same time is half the battle. A couple episodes we just did an episode on like sex after children. Yeah, and like that's like super real. And we talked about like kind of scheduled sex at that time. One of the things that I I try to remind people about scheduled sex is and spontaneity is this idea of like, you're just trying to show up at the same place at the same time, whatever you do within that time can be spontaneous. You know, you don't need to have the same script. If that makes you feel comfortable, uh, you certainly can, but like there can still be spontaneity within scheduled sex. Um, One of the things that, 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 can you say that? Can you read the last part of something about being relieved for this? Yes. The- uh, there are no surprises, but there is no nagging resentment or expectations. I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm, I'm making an assumption that part of what that person is talking about is like, yeah, some of the spontaneity is taken out of it. However, that's what I assume they mean by no surprises. I, feel like perhaps at times I would imagine there are some new things I you know maybe (laughs) but but that piece around like 
being some, for some folks, not everyone knowing, Hey, I got to get in a sexual headspace on what was it? Tuesdays and what these? They said Tuesdays. Uh, it is Tuesday and Saturday is a happy day. Right. So if it helps, and this is real for some people, like for some people knowing like, okay, I got to take all the other priorities that are filling my brain and set them aside on, and like it, that allows for intentionality around that. Like that can be relieving. Because I think sometimes when couples are are struggling with that desire discrepancy, right, and they're they're struggling with that piece in their relationship, one person that priority of sex is just more constant and present in their mind often, and the other person it's not, and it's not because they don't want it to be. It's just because the, the way that their mind works, other things are popping up more as priorities, and so they're not as motivated often for sex. And so being able to plan it, what that allows maybe somebody to do is to go, okay, let me set these other priorities aside and make space for this. And that can be a very relieving experience. And it can be actually, frankly, a really effective, a really effective approach for some people. Okay. Well, we've only got a couple more here for you. And then we're going to wrap it up. There were two that I thought were interesting. This one says, I don't wait for him to initiate. I take control. And once I do that, he realizes he's pretty horny too. And then we rock out. Yeah. So um, I'm this person we've, you know, we've talked about the difference between spontaneous and reactive drive, right? So spontaneous drive is just like, I'm feeling horny. Like I'm walking around in the world and I really like, I can consciously sort of identify that I want to be sexual reactive and usually and some reactive drive is really more you're not feeling particularly sexual but then you engage with a sexual stimulus in some kind of way and then you go oh i am interested in sex for some couples it can reactive like we all have you know like not all of us some people don't really experience much or any sex drive but um many people will will talk about like being able to kind of like, yeah, I don't feel specifically sexual, but if my partner initiates, right, then I can kind of, I can get there, right? That reactive drive takes over. Um, And that, by the way, can be a really good approach. Um, I don't know. So for instance, this couple, I don't know how long they've been doing this approach, but what it's requiring is that what it, who read it again? It says, I don't wait for him to initiate. I take control. And once I do that, he realizes he's pretty damn horny too. And then we rock out. Yeah. So that's, that is a, a, I'm glad that that's working for that couple. Sometimes over time, what can happen is if one person feels like they have to be more of the initiator. Unbalanced, right? Becomes unbalanced. they, They can start over time to feel a little resentful about that. Now this couple might, that person might be totally fine with that. Like, I'm good being the one that takes charge. In fact, I like that or that turns me on in some kind of way. And that might be a super cool dynamic for them. However, that might not be a super cool dynamic for other people Sure. for a number of reasons in that a, somebody might do that for a while. The person with higher drive might take charge and control for a while and a while. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, I also want to feel wanted. I want some coming, someone coming after me. 
sometimes. I'm missing that piece of my sexuality or my eroticism. And then resentments can kind of build. Now, this might be a totally sustainable model for these two. It just depends on the person. The other thing is sometimes people do that whole, well, I'm going to initiate and take charge. And the other party where their desire level is at is like that reactive drive doesn't show up. In fact, it just starts feeling like pressure. And it feels overwhelming to have the person always trying to take charge and be sexual because then they feel like they're constantly having to be sexually rejecting. And so it really, again, super depends on the couple. couple. All right. Well, we all right. Last one here for you. All right. This one I thought was just, uh, no, I kind of took it a little like, hmm, you you don't seem like an expert, dude, but just my opinion. Okay. Female birth control can often lower a woman's sex drive. After my girlfriend got off the pill, she went from being turned on once or twice a month to two or three times a week. If your partner is on the pill and you're having honest discussions about making things better, try switching a different form of birth control. I mean, it's possible. I mean, do you hear that a lot? I've never really heard that uh, too much. It's not, it's not like the most common complaint about a medicine, like, like medication. I have heard it before where someone's like, I think, you know, because the pill is messing often with hormone levels, right? So that's real for some people, you know, when you start futzing with hormone levels, it could have any, it could have no impact on someone's sex drive. It could raise it, it could reduce it. Um, you know, we, when things raise estrogen levels, like a potential side effect is reduced sex drive. Like that's real, right? So if you've got a birth control pill that's doing that, that could be an outcome. And so he's not totally off base that it's worth talking to like your doctor about like what kind you're on and like, would that make sense or make a difference? Um, the more common complaint about like for in my world, and again, right, like I work in a super specific things so world so I have like my own biases because I have crossover with a lot of mental health I have many more people coming in about the impact of like antidepressants on their yes antidepressants anti-anxiety medications for sure yeah yeah well antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds are really typically like there are antidepressants are often anti-anxiety medications like usually like if someone's struggling with like chronic ongoing anxiety they're being prescribed antidepressants they're a different type of like you know, Xanax or Ativan, those are like one-off anti-anxiety meds. But side note, those really aren't recommended to take daily because they're highly addictive and you're really only supposed to take them during like panic attacks and stuff like that, like benzodiazepines. But again, not a medical doctor. That's my understanding. However, the meds that people complain most about, and they do have, uh, you know, it is a very common, not of all Um, But a lot of the antidepressants, particularly the SSRIs, those are the ones that are notable in reducing drive. But as an aside, sometimes I've had clients who are so depressed and that's impacting their sex drive. They go on antidepressants, their depression gets better. And even if that med could have that side effect, they're still having more sex because they're just way less depressed. There we go. The thing about sex drive is it's highly complicated. It would be someone could be on birth control and you could, you could experiment with that. And for this couple, I would be like, Oh, that's convenient. I'm glad that that simple thing that you tried worked out in, in, in helping you with, if that person was distressed about their drive, right? Like helped you with navigating a lower drive. Unfortunately, in my world, a lot of times 
there's usually multiple factors going on at the same time that are impacting someone's low drive. So it's certainly something that's worth asking your doctor about, but I definitely wouldn't assume that that's, and for anyone that's on birth control having low drive, that that would necessarily always be what's going on. But it's, it is possible. Well, Doc, that was a whole new segment. I think we did good. I like social media sex advice. I think it's a good title. I feel strongly that we can keep this one is that in the social rotation. Media? I mean, so is that social media or is that just news? It's not news. It's BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed's not news. It's What's social it? media. It's a social media thing. It's a gossip column. It's like, uh, you know, it's always in social media where they're like, hey, check this out on our page on social media. Okay. I mean, I, all right. Don't get in the weeds, will you please? Can I just have <laughs> you, this? I am literally on the show to get in the weeds oh, on things. Oh my God. Like, that is literally my sole purpose here. It's to, like, I'm a psychologist. That's like the whole point of me is to like, oh, but really, could we, let's look at that from a different angle. What, but what about that? Yeah, but you don't need to do that about my topic. You can do it about the, the other so, sexual just, I things. I want to be clear. Do that about everything except the things that involve you. Yes. Oh, okay. Good. God, how long have we been doing this? <laughs> Give me a break. Anyway, thank you to our millions of listeners out there around the world. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on your social media. Go to universityofpleasure.com. You can listen to all of our episodes. They are free. You don't need to subscribe to listen to all of those episodes. They're right there on the website. Please listen for free. Don't forget to check out sex therapist shoot the shit don't forget the amy book is out there and uh, by autumn karen and myself and i'm telling you i appreciate you doc it's good to be back in the swing of things good to see your face i know you're still upset by my mustache but just remember not as upset as i am about it so <laughs> i'm happy to I think see that's you why that's why i'm upset like i can feel your oh, that's what it is yes you're, you're it's a, just you're carrying that's it. what it is you're an empath doc yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you for all that you do, Doc. Great to see you. Take care of yourself out there, everybody, and each other, and just be kind to one another. Bye, Doc. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.